Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. In the last episode, we talked about what happens when someone changes their beliefs and values and how that affects their relationships and how it affects them and how they begin to change as a person. And we got pretty deep into that subject last episode, but in this one, I want to go a little bit deeper. That's what we're going to talk about in today's episode of Relationship Radio. <laughs> that is Kimberly Holmes. She's the CEO of Marriage Helper. I'm Dr. Joe Beam. I apologize in that episode for making it kind of complicated. In my mind, it's really simple. But, <laughs> you know, my mind doesn't work like most people, so I don't know how they see it. Now, as we ended that episode, right after we went off the air, you started asking some questions. Yeah. So let's bring those up and talk about that now. Yeah. So one question we didn't get to is we know from the research that is out there, some from the 1980s, 1990s, even 2000s, that the minute that a person begins to consider acceptable alternatives in their relationship, the way that Dr. John Gottman put it when I had him on my podcast was when you go to the 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 local coffee shop and the barista, you know, smiles at you, you begin a friendly conversation and you begin to consider what would my life be like with that person instead of your spouse. The minute you begin to consider that is actually when your relationship begins to break down, where you begin to break trust in your marriage relationship. And so my question to you was, how does that juxtapose with what you were saying about your beliefs and values change? So when you change who or what is most important to you, that's when your values, your beliefs change, and then your values change from that, and then your actions change change as, I guess, a fourth order consequence from that. Um, but which happens first? Is it that you begin to see an acceptable alternative and play that desire out in your mind and that's what begins to change it? Or have you already begun to change your beliefs in such a way that you invite an acceptable alternative into your mindset? Okay. Just to remind you of what we said in the last episode, and we certainly encourage you to go back and listen to that again. What I said in that is that whoever or whatever is most important to you has a strong influence over what you believe. And what you believe to be true determines your value system. Now, as we said on that program, value systems include even your appreciation of art, music, all kinds of things. But typically, when we talk about values, we talk about in the sense of your morals, the, the right and the wrong that you believe you should live by, the rules you believe you should live by, and that other people should live by. And so Kimberly's question then is actually pretty significant. I remember once speaking for a church uh, in a revival way back in the day when churches still invited me to come speak in revivals. And the preacher's wife one night pulls me off into the minister's office as the service is ending. Now, she realizes in just a couple of minutes, I'm going to be inundated with people speaking to me because it's the last night. And she pulls me off and she tells me a story. Uh, if I recall, it seems like it was a tire shop. Could have been a donut shop. It was someplace. A donut shop makes more sense, even though I can't remember the specifics, in the sense that she began to see this guy Every day, 
So she would go in there and get her coffee, her donut, and apparently he was attracted to her, either physically, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually, and there was some reciprocal attraction on her part toward him. And so the conversations got longer and longer and longer until eventually they led to a full-fledged affair. Mm-hmm. Now, your question is, did her belief system allowing the morality change, the value system change, that that happened before changing whoever, what was most important to her, or did this change first? Right. Okay. Before I give my answer, what do you think? Oh, I thought you were going to ask me, why does it matter? (laughs) And I was prepared to say, because it helps you to know where the intervention should be first. Okay. If you were going to do a preventative intervention. But what do I think? I, oh, it's so complex. Without a doubt it's complex. We're talking about human beings. Nothing simple about people. Because on one hand, you could say that there's, that there was likely some kind of chink in the belief that allowed for that to play out in her mind as an acceptable alternative. But then on the other hand, you could say, that the fleshly desire overtook and that's what changed her belief to make to make her uh, or to allow her to not feel guilty about what she was doing and so when i say fleshly desire for people they don't they might not understand that she a pre, you know she liked the way that this guy made her feel he was asking about her day things like that and so maybe because there were things that were not going well at home or maybe things at home were fine but People typically like attention, like they just do. And so it can be hard to ward that off. And then you just begin to change your belief from there. Okay. So something we didn't talk about last time that really is pretty important. No one ever lives consistently perfectly with their value system. Mm -hmm. Nobody. We, all of us have done things we consider to be wrong Mm -hmm. and sometimes ask ourselves, why in the heck did I do that? And most of the things that we do that are in contradiction, I believe, to our our value system are things that we consider to be relatively minor, like a little white lie or driving faster than the speed limit, or you gave me too much change and I didn't tell you. Most of the things are things we contend to consider as minor, but just like morality is not perfect. The value system is never perfectly applied. The belief system always has flaws Mm. because when you start questioning somebody about what they believe, you used Mm. to do this to me when you were small, you know, Mm. why the day you learned that word, my world changed Mm. for the better. (laughs) And you love it. (laughs) Why, why, why? Because you would keep asking that question until finally, like, okay, I know I believe this to be true. I believe that to be true. I believe that to be true. But when you kept digging into it by asking me why this, why that, sometimes I'd realize there's a gap there. Mm-hmm. I really don't know how that ties to that. Mm-hmm. I know in my mind it does, which leads then to my value system. I know it does, but everybody's belief system to some degree is flawed. Mm-hmm. It's not perfectly logical. Mm-hmm. All right. That's when we talk about the fact that whoever, whatever is important to you has a strong influence over what you believe because beliefs are not totally logical. Mm-hmm. Now, hopefully they got a lot of logic in it, but not totally logical. And so if I'm walking into the, the donut shop mm-hmm. and, and here's the gal who's behind the, the uh, counter there and, and I find her physically attracted to some degree and reciprocally, she sees me the same way. I realize we're talking about fantasy here. <laughs> and then intellectually attractive and spiritually, et cetera, et cetera, those kinds of things. Then my belief system would say, uh, don't get involved with her. 
but that belief system has some flaws in it. And as long as I'm considering it, at least at the outset, to be minor. Mm. Okay. Now, I'm not necessarily doing logical assessment of this. Mm-hmm. It's just that it's not inducing a great deal of guilt in me. Yeah. Okay. And so I flirt back with her. Mm-hmm. And so the next day she flirts more. Okay. That kind of thing. Now, what's happened over here is she's actually rising. Okay, she's becoming more important to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, All right. Mm-hmm. And you say, but your belief system won't allow that. Remember, we talk about a thing called a compartmentalized thinking. Compartmentalized thinking is when you don't let two contradictory ideas happen in your head at the same time. And so if I'm still going to the donut shop and I'm talking to her every day and it's getting longer and more involved and she's becoming higher and higher on my list of people that have a strong influence on me, then my belief system will begin to waver a little bit already, but I still don't think I'm in violation of it because I am not sleeping with her. Mm -hmm. Okay. We're not running away to Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. And so I don't feel much guilt. Now, at some point, if that conversation gets to the point of things that I know I shouldn't be talking about. Mm-hmm. then I'm going to start feeling some guilt. And so you say, okay, what about the intervention? How do you deal with it? Well, you can talk all day long about the fact, don't talk to that woman. I wish it were that simple. I really do. But don't you understand, my day gets messed up if I don't talk to her now. Okay, your belief system should be that the marriage bed should be undefiled, that you mm-hmm. marry a person for life, whatever it might be, whatever your belief system is saying. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm going to stick to that. I'm just kind of enjoying this person, and they keep rising. Okay, and so now you you violate your your value system a little bit more. Okay, I know that my wife wouldn't understand, but uh, why don't we meet over there at that park in the middle of the day and have a conversation? And so it's not enough to make you feel totally guilty. Mm -hmm. And so that's modifying, it's changing, but it's actually in direct proportion to how much this person becomes important to you. Mm. Okay, so the more important she becomes or he Mm-hmm. Or, or the thing I'm doing, which could be my lifestyle, the more important that lifestyle becomes. So let's say that uh, I'm making it as a country music star now. Mm-hmm. And so that's becoming more and more important. So remember, it's whoever or whatever is most important mm-hmm. to you, change your belief system or affects your belief system. Belief system turns the value system. So maybe now my belief system is I should be spending time with my bride. Mm-hmm. My, my, my value system is... Uh, that I don't need to be talking to other people. I don't need to be drinking when I'm on the road, blah, blah, blah. The more important this becomes, the more the values begin to change because the beliefs are changing based on the gaps. That's why the values are changing. It's the gaps in my belief system that are changing to the change in morality. And so when this finally becomes important enough to me, I've got to make a decision. Do I abandon my belief and value system for this person? Or do I not? And that's when we talk about a thing called cognitive dissonance, which means that in your head, you're mixed up, you're messed up. The person is not so important at this point that you're going to abandon everything for him or her, or that lifestyle is not so important right now that you abandon everything so you can have it. But it's important enough that you're questioning if my belief system is right, questioning if my value system is right. And, and, and if you make a decision not to make a decision, let's just see what happens this thing becomes more and more important in all likelihood, which really does change your belief and value system. Or you might make a decision. Okay. Uh, I'm changing my beliefs and value system. Now this is what's going to make me happy. That's what I want to do. I just want to be happy. Things begin to change pretty fast. Or what if you make the decision? No, no, I've got to stay with my beliefs and values that I've had before, because this is important to me as part of my identity. 
then then that means in some way you've got to move this person or thing down the line. And that can be extremely difficult to do. Uh, I know a pilot, for example, working for one of the major airlines, who, when he was off in other cities, would watch a lot of pornography. Mm-hmm. And he finally decided that because that's messing with my beliefs and my values and messing with my marriage, et cetera, et cetera, and I can't be away from home. So he actually gave up his position as a pilot. He actually mm-hmm. resigned and got a job doing something local. And so those decisions can be very hard to do. And typically, the decision to go after that thing or person is easier to make on the emotions than the decision that you've got to move that thing or person down. That's actually more difficult to do emotionally because they've been benefiting your emotions as they went up the line. You're feeling things you like feeling as they go up the line. And therefore, to make that decision means I'm going to stop feeling those things or at least stop my opportunity to feel those things by not having as much to do with that profession or that lifestyle or that person. You're looking at me like, what the heck are you talking about, Dad? I have a lot of questions. (laughs) We're absolutely going to have to have a part three. But one of the questions I want to end off on here for this section of it. So in my research that I've been doing for my dissertation, I'm reading a lot about self-esteem and Mm self-worth. And there's this one area of self-worth that is called the contingencies of self-worth. And basically what it is, is everyone has a different contingency that they base their own self-worth on. So um, for, for, so some of some of the the common ones, I'll just say it this way. Some of the common ones are, and especially because this was done in college students, uh, but academic achievement is one of them for college students, God's love, physical appearance, you know, different things like that. But everyone's is going to be a bit different. and And so they've done different types of studies to assess which ones are most important, and then they do some kind of interventions and see how they change on this, that, or the other. And, um, you know, they find that there's some contingencies of self-worth that are healthier for people than others, such as physical appearance tends to lead to lower levels of self-worth overall. So if you're focusing more on your physical appearance, because that is something that you're holding in high esteem, you're actually going to be less happy as a person. Whereas if you focus on God's love, which this is in the secular research, that's actually a very stable part of self-worth. And and so I'm thinking as you're talking about these beliefs and values, are people placing the things up there based on what is giving them their Mm self-worth? And so then when when what is changing what gives them their self-worth changes, that's when a big shift happens. Mm -hmm. And... So I was just putting all this together and <laughs> I was putting all this together in my mind because we're talking about it in a very, you know, things that that make a very negative outcome. But in my mind, I'm also thinking about it in terms of the pies. And for Marriage Helper audience, you're probably familiar with that. And, you know, my podcast, It Starts with Attraction, there's actually a very positive side. Like you could use this to your benefit as Absolutely well. you can. You did. When you were a teenager- you know, we got you a car because you went to school 30 miles from where we lived. And it was to my convenience, not yours. Mm-hmm. So we got you a car. Mm-hmm. And then after you wrecked that one, I'm kidding. Well, I did. <laughs> we but, got you a car. yes. <laughs> Whenever you would leave the house, mm-hmm. I would say, do you remember who you are? Mm-hmm. And you would say, I always do. Mm-hmm. Now, your beliefs and values are part of your self-image, your self-identity, your self-esteem. Mm-hmm. And, and so you 
actually would have that be a strong influence on what you allowed over here. Yeah. And so only the, only the things that were consistent with what you're talking about now, your self-image, that kind of stuff, did you allow to grow here. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, it can be very positive. Without a doubt, it can be very positive there uh, in the sense that I, I am going to make sure that, that whoever or whatever is of greatest influence to me fits the, self, the, the self-image I have, the beliefs and value system that I want to have. And so if you wanted to get biblical about it, that's why Paul says evil companionship corrupts good morals. Uh, that's the King James Version. So basically, if, if I begin to associate with people or things or lifestyles that are in contradiction to my belief and value system, it can affect me negatively. I'll change and become a different person. But the same is true on the other hand that if you start hanging out with somebody who's really generous and kind and loving mm-hmm. and, and that person or a lifestyle where that you go out and you feed the homeless and, and you get satisfaction for that, that lifestyle or that person can actually make your beliefs and values even stronger in good ways. So you're absolutely on track there. Mm-hmm. And, and I watched that with you when you were a teenager and when your friends would say to you, boy, you get to do things that we don't get to do. Our parents won't let us do that. Do you remember what you used to say to them? No, I don't. What did I say? If you were as good as I am, your parents would let you do that that as well. I mean, that's true. Yeah. Because you believe in that. (laughs) So, yeah, there's a third part here because you have a lot more questions. So, folks, I hope that we're making sense to you. Be sure to listen to the first one again and to this one again. But also be sure to come back for that next one. In the meantime, Kimberly, if they want some help right away with themselves or their spouse, they need to contact us about our workshop. That's right. Our three-day workshop is the most powerful and effective thing that we do. And it's actually, if if someone is in the middle of going through a big change in their beliefs and values, unsure of what is good, of what is true, then our workshop provides the research-based evidence to, especially for relationships and understanding, well, what is good in terms of relationships and relationship health, which is actually a question I'm going to be asking you in the next episode. Okay. How do we get down to what we know good is and what to tie good to? Part of it's going to be some of the things that we teach, but I think there's another part of it as well. Uh, It's going to be a good conversation. And so until then, watch this one again, please, or listen to it again based on how you're accessing it. And we look forward to talking to you again on the next episode of Relationship Radio.